W-P-H-A-T. You're listening to the number one health and wellness podcast, the place where health and consciousness connect perfectly, perfectly healthy, healthy and tone, tone radio, radio, radio with your host, Darren McDuffie. And now prepare to get fat. What's up, peeps, and welcome to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Toned Radio. I'm your show host, Darren McDuffie, alias Fat Man, because I help you become perfectly healthy and toned and conscious. Today's episode is with Cochise Tariq Saw on his book, Holistic Health Made Simple. Really enjoyed this episode. The energy comes across on this episode, and Cochise and I have a lot of similarities. Felt like I was speaking to myself. He's 6'5". I'm 6'7", we both play basketball, and he got into health in a roundabout way just like me, and he relays his experience and everything within his book to travels that he did overseas while playing pro basketball. On this show, you'll learn a couple of things. Water, but water from a different perspective. A lot of people know how much water to drink, but did you know that some of your organs need water to function? And there's something in here where we talk about the lungs, and this was something I didn't know, so you'll be enlightened about water and your lungs in this particular episode. The next thing is oregano oil. I started using oregano oil many years ago and I stopped because Cheese reminded me about oregano oil and he himself was introduced to oregano oil through having an ailment and he talks about that on the show. The next thing is honey. Everybody knows about honey, but why is honey better for you and table sugar and the answer will astound you before getting into the episode i just wanted to talk about two products that i'm getting behind and endorsing now i don't endorse a lot of products because a lot of things just don't resonate with me but i'm getting behind these two products the first one is SIBO sos which is an online summit that summit is happening october 21st through the 29th if you remember several years ago i interviewed a woman by the name of dr allison c becker she'll be participating in the summit and she'll be talking Talking about the same thing she talked about on my show, which was small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, or what is called SIBO. She's one of the presenters, along with other presenters. So if I, if you have a digestive issue, something that's going on, you're not even sure that you have SIBO, you may want to tune into the summit. The summit is actually free, and again, it's going on October 21st through the 29th. If you go to perfectlyhealthyandtone.com and click on the store tab, you'll see the picture of the summit and you click on that. It'll take you out to the website where you're able to register for the summit. The next product is Diane Kayser's Warrior Cleanse. If you again have been listening to the show, you know I've had Diane Kayser on the show two separate occasions. I'm very impressed with her vulnerability and her ability and willingness to share her own personal health struggles in an effort to shine light on others and her product again is called the warrior cleanse again go to perfectlyhealthyandtone.com click on the store tab you'll be taken to her picture or to the picture for the warrior cleanse and you can click on that it'll take you out to the website you're really going to be impressed with the warrior cleanse and some of the testimonial there's a lot of people who are losing weight a lot of people who are gaining their energy back and i know that for some of you who may be listening to the show that's exactly what you will you're wanting and that's exactly what you're looking for so check out the warrior cleanse now let's get into the episode all right everyone out there we have a real really good episode i'm going to call this one a classic even before i begin it's a book called holistic health made simple by my man cochise to rock 
Saw. Cochise, welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. What's up, man? All is well. All is well. Thank you for having me. Thank Glad you. to be here. Thank you for being on, man. Like I said, before we got started with the interview, I had really discovered you a couple of years ago and I bookmarked you in an old computer, an old Mac I had. Ended up, uh, that computer is no longer operational. And just so happens that a friend of mine shared your recent fan page on Facebook and that's how we got connected. So you're here today. So what I normally do, um, Jesus, I usually like for people to share their stories and me and you have so much similarities from uh, your background in basketball. I also played basketball. You played uh, professional overseas. I played semi-pro. So we got a lot in common. But when, as I was reading through your book, I couldn't help but start thinking to myself through your story of some things that I went through when I had injuries when I was playing and you had an injury when you were in the Dominican Republic. So start your story from there because I think that that's how you got guided into the, to the health sphere. Absolutely. Was down in Dominican Republic playing. I played down there. Actually, I lived there, to be honest with you. I lived there. Part of my family's from there. I'm a citizen there. So we're playing in the Dominican Republic. And at this time, I had a, a slight foot problem. I had pain in my foot. And I remember my parents were telling me, look, man, get your bunion. That's what we call it. Get your bunion taken care of. Get that thing taken care of and operated on. I'm like, no, it just at that time, it didn't sound proper to me. So finally caught up with me in the Dominican Republic. And I made a decision because the team would pay for it to do the surgery. So they end up doing the surgery there, but they did the surgery wrong. And when I say wrong, they did it for a person that was like 70 years old. And like, I would never walk again. And then on top of that, it, it got infected and things just got bad. I had to come back home. And that's where the spiral began. I mean, I just, it took about five surgeries just to get the infection out. And then the podiatrist basically told me, you never, don't think about playing again. Think about trying to walk again. They did an operation on my toe, put a titanium toe joint in there, a steel toe. So imagine trying to play or even trying to walk with a steel toe. Totally something that I hadn't expected. I was depressed, broke up with my girl, all of that. And during that time, I just started to re can I rethink about the things that I learned during these travels that I had uh, endured overseas to South America, to Asia, the Middle East, all these different countries. And I started, you know, just thinking about what were the things that I learned? How were these people living to be 100 years old, what they call centenarians? What were they doing? They didn't have the money that we had in the United States, but these people were vibrant. They were strong. They were they possessed vitality. And so it wasn't about money. It was about habits. And so I, I started to obviously pray, but I started to incorporate a lot these different things, things that I had learned from my mentor, Dr. Joel Wallach, who's a great doctor uh, as well, and just started to implement these things on my road to recovery. I didn't want any doctors that said that you'd never play again. So I opted to pass on a few doctors operating on my foot. And there was a one doctor, ironically, in Florida that said, listen, I don't see why you can't play again. It's up to you. And that's what I needed. I'm an energy person. I needed that energy. I needed to hear that. And so I um, traveled all the way from Detroit down to Orlando. And from there, we did the surgery. I, you know, it took me about four or five days to recoup, flew back up to Detroit. And then everything began. The road to recovery began. It was a long two years. But I tell you, it was tough, but it was such a far cry from having my foot be cut off because that's what they were threatening at first to have an amputation. And so that was scary. That was a, that was a really dark period in my life. But I tell you, it was those teachings and, and the creator, the most high, what, it, what people would call God. It really just kind of guided me through. And I'm so thankful and so grateful. And so I said, when I come out of this, obviously I want to play ball again, but I want to start sharing these principles with people. And here we are today. I started writing all these books and that's what became the book, Holistic Health, Made Simple. And I 
I've got about five or six other books, documentary films, two documentary films under my belt. And now I'm coming with another book called The Vitality Blueprint. So it was a long journey, but it was well worth it. I tell you that. Getting into this this thing you went through with your toe, what was going through your mind when you did the surgery? Because I'm thinking, I'm reading a book and I'm like, man, did he, I, I couldn't actually fathom why you would do a surgery in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> so, what yeah. was going through your mind? Because I know that over there, they're not as technologically advanced as we are, but... <clears throat> Outside of that, you made a decision and you had to obviously live with the decision. But after everything happened, what was going through your mind? Obviously, you're saying, well, am I going to be able to play again? And then you mentioned that the doctor actually gave you hope. How important was that for you? Well, that was that was critically important. And it wasn't a doctor in the Dominican Republic. But let's backtrack. You're not the only one. My family, they were like, what are you doing? Like and see, here's here's what I always tell people. The things that are usually free, generally from a general sense, they end up being expensive, costing you the most. So be careful of accepting free things because I tell you, that was really, it was free in the sense that it, the surgery was covered, but I wound up paying with the with the um, the threatened amputation, with the infection. You know, they took out bone cartilage, which they was not supposed to do. And uh, I don't know what I, I was just thinking, let me get this done. And then I was also thinking, well, I don't want to wind up paying all this money when I go to the United States cash money because I didn't have the insurance. I had money, but I didn't have the kind of money where I could just say, okay, here's 10,000, here's 15,000. I didn't have that money to give away like that. So I thought I was saving myself, but in actuality, I wasn't. I was delivering myself up to a situation that I would never forget. I'm thankful for it, but I could have still been playing and dunking on people and doing all that old crazy stuff. I could have still been doing that had it not been for this this uh, injury. So I thought about that and I think I was just trying to get it out of the way and they assured me because I asked a million questions. I said, listen, I know this is not like the United States. Is this guy ready? Oh yeah, he studied at the United States. He studied in the United States. Come to find out this guy hadn't. He studied regular school in the United States, but he didn't go to medical school in the United States. And so it just things started to come out and down there you put a lawsuit on somebody everybody can be bought so we put a lawsuit on the guy and next thing you know the lawyer who was representing me he wind up selling out you know taking a couple thousand dollars or whatever it was and and the case is still is it remains to be seen the case is over buried so it's a lot of corruption but um, i wasn't thinking about that i was just thinking that okay i can be back in like four to six months that's what i was thinking and boy that was that was a decision but i tell you what i wouldn't be here today with you or anybody else had i not got that surgery so that surgery had to happen this had to happen because i don't know where i would have thought that the money that i made from basketball would last forever and i got to tell you, even if you're making 150, 200,000, 300,000, half a million, that money is not going to last you. It's going to last you a couple of years when you're done playing. But what will you do when you're done playing? And this was, I'm so thankful this happened because it made me start to really think about all that. And I feel sorry for players now because even if you're making a, two million a year, are you going to finish playing in the NBA and, and just go be a gym teacher? Are you really going to do that? And most guys, they can't, they can't handle it. They can't do it. And they mismanage money. That's a whole nother story. But these are the things that I wind up seeing the light clearly. And yeah. I did wind up coming back and playing. It sounds like you changed your perspective because that's what actually happened to me myself is that when my mom passed away, that was my entryway into the health field. So like, just like you said, sometimes things have to happen to put a, push us in a different direction. And it's not that it's something bad that happens to us. It's just that it happened. And now we can look at it and view it in a different perspective. And like you wouldn't be here talking to me. I probably wouldn't be here talking to you if something hadn't happened to me. But getting into longevity. You 
mentioned that you had people who were living to be 100 years old in all these different countries that you were traveling to when you were playing basketball. Yes, sir. Coach Chiefs, why do you think that we are so advanced here in the United States, but yet our longevity is probably the shortest of any any country out because we're too scientific for our own good we're too newtonian approach cause and effect and the reality is is that everything is not so cut and dry when you're dealing with the physical anatomy it doesn't work that way and so man has his hand in so many different things because man wants to guide and regulate all these different things and man wants to be symptomatic, not systematic. So they want to treat the symptom. They don't want to treat the system. And that is what happens with us here. Whereas other places, they're going to try to get to the root. It's still a medical system. We got to look at that word system. So system has to work a certain way. But in many cases, they're not going to bypass something that could help you when they can, if they can, if they can avoid you dying or avoid doing serious damage to you as opposed to here in the United States, it's about business. And we still have to understand that although it's about business, you can still help. So while there are no, while there may be cures available, there's no law. No doctor has to absolutely cure you. So I think that we're so focused on the symptom as opposed to the system. And it's not anybody's fault. It's not the doctor's fault. It's a part of the entire system that they're they're part of. So they don't learn nutrition in medical school. They just learn what they learn and so they become Newtonian approach. And so if you mention if you mention nutrition to doctors, they're gonna be like, oh that's that's malarkey. That doesn't work. That's not and so it's almost like you're like, wait a minute, are you kidding me? No part of your body is made up of mitol. No part of your body is made up of aspirin. So you're telling me that these things are going to work, but in actuality, they don't work. They mask, they mask systems. They don't actually fix or heal because if it, if that was the case, then your type, type 2 diabetes or your asthma would be cleared up in three months or six months or even a year, if that's the case, of you taking this medicine instead of 20, 25 years. If it's medicine, then it's going to repair you. So we're, we're focused on a symptom here and other places they deal more in nature, especially the Caribbean and places like that. More sunlight, more fresh produce, all those things are not compromised like they are here. Your book mentions nutrients, and this is something that we don't talk about. And uh, I had Dr. Wallach on my show, by the way, probably like a year or so ago, really enlightening conversation with him. And he talked about nutrients and your book kind of refreshed me on that because I had really forgotten a little bit about that. But your book said it's 90 essential nutrients. As a society today, are we getting these full 90 nutrients? And then the second part of that question would be is if you go, let's say, six months to a year without having all of these nutrients, what is the long-term outcome of that? Okay, the first question was, what was the first question again? The first question is the 90 essential nutrients. Are we actually getting those? And if you, the second part of that question would be if you go for six months to a year without getting the essential 90 nutrients, what's the long-term outcome of that? Okay, as far as the 90 essential nutrients, there are probably more. We just started with a base of 90 essential nutrients. We're not getting those, number one, because of that we're not in a place. It, first of all, it really depends depends on your your background. Are you an uh, African diasporan or are you a European American or Caucasian individual? Two different individuals. One is more predicated on the sun. Another one is more in a different temperature. So we have to recognize those things as well. It's not just a one trick pony kind of a thing. And we know this because 
people of the African diaspora or African-American, so to speak, they can stand the sun a little bit more than a Caucasian can, a Caucasian-American or Caucasian person can. So we have to understand that these people belong closer to the equator. So depending upon where you are on Earth, that will depend a lot upon your lifespan. As far as the 90th century nutrients, most of us eat fast food. Most of us deal with the coffee, which dumps the minerals. Uh, most of us microwave, which is your your radioactive, you know, putting on your food. Most of us don't drink enough water. The earth is two-thirds water. The body is two-thirds water. You're already failing right there. Most of us don't consume the micronutrient-rich food, so it's a safe bet to say that, no, we're not getting it. And because we're not getting it, that means that we have to supplement. Now, the problem is, is that most of the supplements that we're getting or that we're taking, that's only going to absorb in your body 10 to 12 percent because that supplement was made where it was made in a lab. Why? Because they cannot they're not going to take the time to produce all of these different supplements for you or to wait worldwide and go get all these different supplements, these natural supplements for you because they're seasonal. And so they said, well, if I can make this in a lab, then I'm going to make it in a lab and I'm going to sell it. Problem with that is, is that, that it's inorganic. That means that your body is organic. Most of those supplements are inorganic. An inorganic substance will not do much good for an organic vessel. It won't take. It's very different. So what you'll wind up doing is you'll wind up uh, urinating a lot of it out. It will pass through your system. So the body does not generally get that. Although we supplement, we may help ourselves a little bit, but it's still inorganic substances or compounds that you're putting in your body. Long-term effect will be different diseases, type 2 diabetes, asthma, in some cases, cancer, heart problems, bone problems, you name it. Why? Because the body needs food. These organs need food to survive. This is why I talk a lot about herbs. Certain things need certain foods. It's not about curing. I always explain this to people. It's not about curing. It's about the food that a certain organ may have a proclivity to liking or needing. So calcium, the heart will need some calcium. That's just what it is. The pancreas will need chromium and vanadium. It's what it is. It's not about curing. If you put those things in, then the homeostasis of the body, it, it can normalize. It can start to come back. So this is what happens when you do this over time. As the great Dr. Wallach would say, anybody that dies of a nutritional, uh, anybody that dies of natural causes dies of a nutritional deficiency disease. And usually coupled with that is going to be malnutrition or dehydration. Either they didn't get enough nutrition or they didn't get enough fluid water. This usually it's at the bottom of every every disease pretty much. Let's talk. Let's get into water a little bit, because I'm sure if people out there who are listening and they they listen to this program and they probably heard it before how important water is or they've heard it somewhere else. But one of the things I found really intriguing was I know a lot about health as obviously as you do, but what I didn't know is that our lungs need water. So talk a little bit more about lungs and our muscles and how they need water. And also talk a bit about the why the why water is actually one of those things that is, I'm sorry, why water, the bottled water and the tap water aspect, because you talked a little bit about that in your in the book. As well. Yes, absolutely. We live, well, first of all, as far as the organs are concerned and water, if you look at the, if you look at the lungs, the lungs are about 70 something percent water. If you look at the blood, the blood is 80 some percent water. If you look at the heart, the heart is 80 some percent water. Bones is 20 some percent water. So when you're not getting enough water, you're already in a negative already. So just not having water is going to bring disease to your body. Now, when you breathe in normally, if you just breathe on a normal day, what you, what you don't realize is that you're losing cups of water. Okay. When you urinate, you're you're losing cups of water. So this, the water is critical for the lungs. And a lot of, if you're not drinking water and your lungs 
are is a which is a spongy a spongy a very spongy organ if your lungs is not it does not have that that liquid the water the hydration that it needs the lungs are going to start to dry up and you're dealing with a toxic environment because the lungs the job of the lungs is going to be to eliminate uh carbon dioxide if i'm not mistaken and it's going to continue to get you or help you to breathe the right way with the right air but it needs not just water it needs other different uh nutrients just as the other body parts the other body parts you know within the body mm -hmm. so looking looking in terms of, and we can and we can say this about every basically every every different body part so you're losing water already and when you're not putting in believe it or not most people do not they don't like water first of all they don't even like water they may be drinking the wrong water to take it to the tap water and the bottle water here's the thing it all could be a wreck the bottle water the whole bottle water thing i've been told i've researched that some of the bottle bottle water is not fit to do your dishes in now the thing is per liter bottle water costs more than gas if you can believe that at least at the time that i wrote the book it costs more than gas so here you are you're paying for a bottle of water at least tap water has to go through regulations so one is regulated by the EPA the other one is regulated by the FDA which is bottle water It's treated as a food product food product <coughs> excuse me, a food product has a different set of regulations whereas the environmental protection agency which is going to regulate the tap water although the tap water is not the healthiest thing on earth at least it has to meet cleanliness requirements bottle water does not because it's treated as a food but the municipal drinking water, aka tap water, has to meet certain things. It has to meet certain criteria so that it won't kill the public. Although there are still some things in there like fluoride and chlorine and, and in small cases, cryptosporidium like we have here in Flint, Flint Michigan. You have all kind of garbage in the water that's harming the people and you see the outcome and now the effects. So bottled water, although it's bottled water, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be healthy because it doesn't have to meet the requirements. It's it's very laxed. So it's up to the manufacturer to say, yeah, this this water is ready. This water is good. And so what you can do, there was a uh, test. I saw it about six months ago. There was a test where they were testing the pH of the water and some of the water was just awful. I think one of the top waters, the top water, if I'm not mistaken, was Essentia. Essentia was the number one water. pH was great. So if you're going to buy a bottle of water, I do know Essentia to be one of those waters. I'm going to look that up. I'm glad, I'm glad you called me for this interview because I've been meaning to look that up. That's something I'm gonna make a note of. I want to look that up. Yeah. So that's that's the racket with water. That's the yeah. that's the skinny. This is something I found out too, and you can talk more about this with with water. Is that when you when you are actually getting a recommendation, they tell you to drink. I think it's eight cups of water a day or so, but. I live in Florida. I live in Fort Lauderdale. And I find that I have to drink much more water than that. Actually, if I, I just went out for about two hours before this interview and I had drunk maybe, man, I think about 12 ounces, 15 ounces of water. And by the time I came back to the house, I realized that, man, I'm thirsty again because of the humidity here in Fort Lauderdale. I'm figuring mm -hmm. that I have to drink much more water. Is there any strict guideline as to how much water we should drink based upon what region of the country we're living in? Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the general, the general synopsis as we say you can go you can go off a couple of different things some people say when you thirsty drink that's logical but at the same time it may not be as logical so it's a good thing to go by but sometimes 
you need to continue to keep the body, keep the liquid flowing in the body because water takes things to where they need to go, certain components. It helps it store along with the salt. It helps to store and flush the body. So you may not be thirsty, but you still may need to flush and remove toxins from the body. This is why water is necessary. When you start talking about the regions, it's going to, you're not going to drink the same amount of water in North Dakota as you would in Miami, Florida. Two different climates. One is going to make you sweat more. The other one is going to make you be, be cold. So you're going to need more heat. So you're not going to be looking to drink as much water because you're probably not going to be, the perspiration is not going to be as much. But for, as a general, as they call a general rule, you want to drink half of your body weight in ounces. If I weigh 200 pounds, I'm going to drink 100 ounces. If there's eight ounces, what is it? Eight ounces equals one cup. You would divide that 100 by eight and then you would get like 12 point something. So you get 12, almost 13 cups of water. That's how many water you, sh that's how many cups of water you should be drinking Normally, if you're very active, if you're in a Florida type of environment, you're going to need to add on to that. So that's the minimum. So there is no eight cups a day. If you weigh 300 pounds, I weigh 200 pounds. How can eight cups of water do for you what it's going to do for me? That's not logical. It's impossible for it to be that way. So we have to know that it's according to the individual by body weight. That's the basis of it. And then from there, depending upon your activity level, you can add on to that. Your book is a really good book because you related your book to your travels and what you learned in different countries. One of the in one of the chapters you talked about, I believe it was you was in you were in China and the gentleman said that they only eat when they're hungry. Yes. Talk about the importance of that because I know with us here in the States, we tend to group everything around eating, like social activities and, and so it's it's hard not to eat. And you grew up in Detroit, but you got your roots in Mississippi from your, your grandparents. And yes. anytime you're in the South, man, everything is about eating. I'm from South Carolina, so I know that but oh, yeah. how is it how important is it for us to kind of not get into this roller coaster of a maybe emotional eating and just to eat when we're hungry well what, what's going on with us is that we're a part of an addiction culture this is what we were taught from the time that we were younger and we've carried this addiction culture through our adulthood. Right now, I'm doing what's called intermittent fasting and everybody throws their eyes up. Whoa, how are you doing this? Where well, I eat one solid meal every 23 hours. Now you may say, wow, that's, that's impossible, but I want you to think about something. We generally eat because of programming. If you wake up in the morning, you were told that what meal is the most important meal of the day? What meal, brother? Breakfast. Exactly. You're told that. You don't know that, but you're told breakfast is the important meal. The most important meal of the day. How is this possible when all you were doing was sleeping? So you mean to tell me you're going to wake up out of your sleep, you're going to eat a full meal, pancakes, eggs, bacon, whatever. And then at 12 o'clock, one o'clock, you're going to eat what's called lunch because you need to get lunch. You Oh, you definitely need that. By seven o'clock, now you got two meals on your stomach. By seven o'clock, now you're going to eat what's called dinner, maybe even later. And then you're going to go to sleep three hours from that. Usually people eat later. Here's the problem with this. If you haven't heard anything I've said this whole interview, this right here could change your life. The time that it takes from start to finish, from rooter to the tutor, from the time you eat to the time the waste leaves your body for one meal to clear is going to be 40 hours on average. Women, it takes more. Men, it takes less. I think women, it takes 47. Men, it takes 33 hours on average. They did a test. So 
Here's what's going on. You are eating three times, four, no, four times, four, almost five times. You're eating five times before one meal is going to clear your system. You're taxing the digestive system and you have no business taxing your body like that. So what it does is says, you know what? I've got to put Darren to sleep because he's eating too much. This is why people get, they eat and they get sleepy because it's too much on the system. So the system says, I'm going to shut you down so that I can digest some of this stuff here. But you have five meals on the stomach. The average person is eating three times a day. If you're eating three times a day, you've got five meals on the stomach before one is going to be digested. This is why the great Arnold Ebert in his book, The Mucusless Diet Healing System, showed that there was so much uh, trash in the colon when they did autopsies of many people that died because that was food that was stuck to the colon wall and that was trash. And the problem with that is that blood circulates. So those toxins that are in the colon, they circulate throughout the body and they circulate in the colon because blood travels and blood carries these things everywhere to the prostate, to the breast, to the brain, all these different areas. And then you have what's called colon cancer, which is the number two killer of people in the world. So the problem is, is that these things can't get digested. So you have to eat for your digestive system. When you eat once a day or twice a day maximum, you're really doing your body a disservice. Less is more. The law of inverse proportion. McDonald's can sell 99 cent burgers every day, but the one day or the two day that they sell the burgers for 29 cent, they're going to make far money what they made selling that 99 cent with 29 cent because it's the law of inverse proportion. Less is more. We have to slow ourselves down and give our digestive systems a chance to rest because it takes 40 hours just to just to process one meal. And this is why you have the, the food around your stomach. So not only is it that, but you're also eating the wrong food, the sugary foods that spike the insulin. And now it because insulin regulates fat storage, you're going to start to gain weight. If you lose the weight, the insulin goes back to regular. It goes back to functional normal. Let's talk about two products. And I only eat twice a day. I've been doing that for years. That just okay. is just what works for me. Okay. Um, let's talk about these two things because these two things really changed my life. And you talk about this in your book. The one was milk because something happened to me at 25 years of age. I just could not do milk anymore, which I believe which was a good thing for me. And then also bread. I found out that I was gluten sensitive, which I haven't mm -hmm. eaten bread in about six or seven years. So those two things made a big, big difference for me. But talk about those two products and what you saw with them in your in your travels. Well, with, with, with bread, what you're looking at is, as you just mentioned, and by the way, this this gluten thing just became a reality for us in the, in the 2000s, the early 2000s. In the 90s, we didn't know what this stuff was. We didn't know anything about it. At least I didn't. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what was going on. So it kind of got its rise in the, in the 2000s. People that had the celiac disease and all these other uh, autoimmune diseases that couldn't really fully digest those enzymes, they started to come down and to be processed as, as a gluten, or was it gluten intolerant gluten? They can't take the, the gluten from the bread. So the thing about the bread is that bread bloats you. That's one of the problems. Bread has yeast and those yeast, the yeast rises. Also, the bread is going to turn into sugar. So bread is complicated for many different reasons. And I learned this in Saudi Arabia in uh, Kuwait. I'm sorry, in Kuwait. Being over in Kuwait where these guys will eat a lot of bread. The savior for those guys over there as opposed to us over here is that those guys are eating real bread. Bread that's cooked fresh, 
pure real bread they're not eating this bread with all of this stuff added when you see bread that has fortified in it fortified you can't take something from the air or from a laboratory put it into something else and say that it's fortified if it doesn't come with those nutrients then it's not fortified you can't take vitamin c from something else and put it in an orange if the vitamin c does not have the if the orange does not have the vitamin c then it won't have it that's a inorganic vitamin c uh, substance like when i see absorbic acid on stuff absorbic acid is not vitamin C. So it says vitamin C as absorbic acid, but it's not really vitamin C. So the bread is very uh, problematic for the reasons that you just mentioned, but the gluten, uh, the gluten intolerance and, and stuff like that. And if you have autoimmune issues, which many people do, this can really cause flare ups and, and breathing problems. And more importantly, issues digesting your food. And then you need digestive enzymes. Your other question was about milk. I just did a video today about milk and what I was explaining was that you have to look at it metaphysically and also naturally just for what it is. Milk is from the mammary glands of an animal. Mammary glands is the glands that produces milk in human beings or other mammals or animals or whatever you want to call it. When you take milk from the mammary glands, glands of an animal, and you consume that, number one, you don't have the lactase to break down the lactose. So that those enzymes are too big for you. It's made to get a cow big in three months. So this is why you see the younger women and the younger men, they're so big and, you know, they're strong or tall or, or developed sexual reproductive parts are on young females are developed because they're consuming all this dairy product, all this cow stuff. Here's the problem. When you take that, especially women, when you consume that, what happens is it's the mammary glands, it's the breast on women and it's the breast on, on the cows. What usually happens is it winds up attacking you from a metaphysical standpoint. And guess what? It attacks the breasts. It attacks the female sexual reproductive organs and the male. So it'll attack the breasts. It'll attack the cervix. It'll attack the ovaries. It'll cause cancer in all these different places. In men, it'll it'll cause issues in the prostate because it has IGF-1 growth factor or IGF uh, was the insulin-like growth factor one, which has been known to cause cancer. So here you are trying to consume this, not to mention it's causing mucus because they can't get all of the bacteria. If they pasteurize it, they can't get all of the mucus, the blood, the snot. They can't get all these things out of the cow milk or the cow's milk to process it for you. And so it passes through the body. And these, these guys have viruses. These guys have all kinds of things that, first of all, are not meant for you. Cow's milk is for cow. Human's milk is for humans. And so we drink this, especially the African-American population. We consume this, and then we are what's called lactose intolerant. That is your cue. That is not your cue to eat or drink. That is your cue. That is the stomach saying, look, I don't want any more of this. I don't even know why you're giving this stuff to me. Please, I'm giving you the signal to not put this in me. And so we continue to do this over and over. But milk, let's just say this, you're not going to stop or control anybody. And people are going to continue to drink milk. My advice would be just sometimes do these things. Sometimes they can't be the dominating. They can't dominate your diet. And this is the problem We these things are the detrimental things are dominating our diet and the beneficial things are just you treat it like supplemental. You don't treat it seriously. Have you done any research? Because I know I've tried to find things on this because I think I believe it's African-Americans and Jewish people that have an issue with milk. And but they've not been able to, as far as I know, say why we lose that enzyme that actually help us digest the milk. Yeah, you know what? I, I've there was a there's a book called um, Milk the Deadly Poison 
by a guy named Robert Cohen. Robert Cohen, C-O-H-E-N. Yes, it's African-Americans and Ashkenazi Jews, what they call Ashkenazi Jews, uh, Asians as well. We're the ones that are most affected by it. I don't know exactly why that is. It's something in the genetics that's affecting us, but I don't know exactly why it is, but I do know that we are affected far more than other people. And we still continue to drink this stuff. We still continue to consume it. And one of the reasons, let's let's be honest. One of the reasons is that the inside of the inside of the milk, there's this uh, casein or casomorphine. And that is what creates the addiction to make you want to continue to go back and do the cheese and do the milk. So it's an addiction that you're dealing with there and you don't even realize it because that that nutrient, that ingredient that's in cheese, that's in milk, it makes you keep going back. Although you know that it's going to mess your stomach up, you're still going to go back because of that queso uh, morphine. So you're not really thinking clearly, but although it's not your fault, it's your responsibility to change that. Yeah, I used to do work for food sensitivity, food sensitivity testing lab. And uh, I remember the casein, the milk is made of casein and whey, but yeah. they were linking that casein to autistic children that it might have something to do with the autism in, in a lot of children. Wow. The Your book goes into three products and I'm breaking things down because obviously we don't want to give the whole book away. We want the audience to go out and, and purchase it. But there are three products that you discuss in the book, one being honey, the other being maca root, and then another one called oregano oil. Talk mm -hmm. a little bit about those three and why they're important to kind of incorporate it in a holistic lifestyle. Well, the thing about honey is that sugar, there was a, what was it back in 1970 something, there was a decision made. Uh, I want to say the National Institute of Health was involved. There was a decision made to figure out what was causing so much disease. And so you had cholesterol on one side and you had sugar on another side. We already know which one won. The one that they chose to perpetuate was the cholesterol. And the reason was is that sugar was just too much of a commodity, too much of an industry to damage, to take people off of because it was so addictive. It would be so much money lost. So here's the thing. When you're dealing with sugar, you want to take the lesser of the evils. The lesser of the evil is still evil. We understand that. But you you want a more purer form. If you're not going to get your sugar from fruits, you don't want to do it through the white sugar, which is heavily processed. So what we do is we start to think, okay, stevia. I like stevia. I think stevia is good. It's safe for diabetics. Some people do the cane, the uh, cane sugar, but I like honey because honey has B vitamins. Honey is, is sweet. It's, it's very natural and it's going to satisfy that, that sweet tooth. Now, sugar is still sugar is still sugar, still processed. Similarly, by the body. But these natural things, honey, honey heals wounds. So you're gonna you when you're consuming this honey, and I learned this in Mexico because I've lived and played in Mexico for a couple of years actually. So I learned this in Mexico. Once I learned it, I didn't need to put the white sugar in there, that I could do the honey and I could put the lemon in there. I started to use this. Now it doesn't mean go overboard with the honey. It doesn't mean go overboard. Some people like to use the agave neck. Now that I know what I know, I love honey, but I would also recommend maple syrup in some cases, but it has to be real. It has to be something that's real. It can't be fluffing because a lot of the stuff that says honey, first of all, it should be organic. The best kind of honey is a Manuka honey. It can get costly depending upon your economic situation, but that's the best kind. I think that's costing like $12 a bottle, something like that. Maybe more. It just depends. So, and all, all in all, 
I like honey. What we used to do before the games, it would give you energy. Take a scoop of real honey in the DR. We would go to the, we had the uh, the honey uh, combs, the access to the where the bees made the honey. And they would bring it from what we call El Campo, which is the countryside. And so they would bring that and they would give it to you in a bottle. And you would just take a spoon before the game and you would get energy. Like I said, you would get the B vitamins. You would feel really good because your body does need a portion of sugar to run on. The thing is, is that while sugar is good, sugar is still an inefficient way for the body to run. It would rather run on fat. Uh, maca root, uh, black maca. The thing is, maca is another energetic. When people think of, here's the thing, when we start thinking about uh, things that promote a healthy sex life, what you have to think of is things that promote energy. That's what we, we're just replacing sex with energy or energy with sex. But in actuality, it's about energy. And black maca is one of those things that helps with fertility, helps with energy, helps with blood circulation, especially for males. This is used in South America, heavily in Brazil, in Peru, in different areas, um, Uruguay, all these different areas where maca is very good and it's very potent, very strong, very powerful. So this is good for just everyday living because people struggle with energy. And our number one job as people is to eat for energy. That's our job, to eat for energy for our main control unit, which is the heart. People don't talk about this, but this is the main, this is our main job. What was the last product you mentioned? It was oregano oil. Oregano oil, my favorite. I said, I was in Russia, by the way. I got sick on the plane. I've had some experiences, man. I got sick on the plane over on the way to Russia or what they call Estonia, former Republic of Russia. And, um, by the time I got there, man, I was wheeled off of the airplane and it was just a bad situation. Come to find out I had caught pneumonia. I had got on the plane sick, but by the time all those germs hit me and I'm coming from USA to Europe, it was it was the hardest, probably the hardest time of my life I've ever experienced this. I was wondering how am I gonna get through? I was literally gone, literally gone. So I uh, got to Estonia, found out I had um, pneumonia, put me in a hospital, brought me home. You know, pneumonia can be contagious, as they say. And um, the my coach that I was staying with, he was taking, I said, man, what are you doing? You putting these these drops in your tea every day. You putting these drops in your water. What is this? Oh, he said, oh man, this ain't nothing but oregano oil. I said, oregano oil, what is that about? And so he said, this is going to keep the immune system strong. It's antiviral, anti antiseptic, antifungal, all these different things. And so I watched him use it every day. And you know what? For And I stayed with him for a couple of months. He never had a cough. He never got sick. And I had pneumonia. I had pneumonia. And so I started to do more on oregano, more studies on oregano and realized all the properties, the vitamin C, the different vitamins that it does have in there that strengthens and fortifies the human body. So it was it was great for me. And I started so I started using oregano leaves when I cook. You can use oregano leaves uh, cooking. You can I will put it in my juices. I would take you only need like two drops. So I would take two to three drops. I will put it in my juices. I will put it in my water or you could put it under your tongue. And that really kept me from being sick. And that was important as an individual that travels a lot. So if you travel a lot, if you're in work environments where you got people coughing, you're on a subway, that would be something that would be beneficial for you to take. I'd say at least two, three times a week. I used to rub it on my knees, believe it or not, because, you know, when you play ball, you develop, you know, little aches and pains in your knees and I would rub it on my knees and it worked well for that. Last question is uh, talking about exercise. You and I both were, were, were ballers and we know the importance of cardio because obviously you're running up and down the court all the time so you're getting your cardio in. But talk a little bit about swimming. Swimming is something I kind of undertook and then I, I, I didn't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. also just walking, just normal walking because I think sometime in our culture people think that they're supposed to run three, four, five miles a day and they don't really know the importance of just getting 
getting out there and, and doing a nice brisk walk and how far that, that goes. Yeah, activity is, is more important than anything. I remember being injured. I had a, another foot injury that was separate from the one that I had in Dominican Republic. I tell you, those foot injuries, man. Mm-hmm. I, had a, I had another injury and um, I had broken my heel bone, calcaneal bone. I was in Yugoslavia. So uh, sent me home. I had to wear a foot cast and all that. I said, well, Doc, how am I going to rehab? Well, we're going to put you in a pool. I said, okay. So I started doing running and cutting and all that kind of stuff, just doing different things. And then the trainer said, you know what? We're going to kick this up a notch. We're going to start you to swimming. And so from that day to this day, I fell in love with swimming. I was so cut. I was strong. My my lungs had became stronger. I learned how to breathe. And the thing is, the buoyancy factor, I would see people in their 80, 90 years old, and they would swim 50, 100 laps like it was nothing. Now, I thought I was doing something with 20 laps, 25 laps. I thought that I was doing something, but that really wasn't anything compared to what they were doing. But I realized that it's one of those sports. It's one of those exercises where it doesn't matter your age. Anybody that would consider themselves a senior citizen or maybe considered a senior citizen or feel like they don't want the pressure of banging their knees up and stuff like that. I recommend the pool. I, it's going to burn fat like you've never seen. Take swimming lessons if you can't. If you can't swim, if you don't know how to swim, take swimming lessons. I'm telling you that this exercise might be the best exercise on earth. And I'm not, I'm saying for preserving your body, keeping you strong, keeping you lean, keeping you cut. Swimming is the best absolute exercise in the world. No injuries to your joints. You're going to be relaxed. Now you may, of course, because you're moving, you may have slight things just over time from you know aging but all in all swimming is what got me better got me back to the court and i wound up winning the championship when i came back from doing all that swimming i was running all day up and down the court picking up full court you know what this means picking up full court playing defense 94 feet it was just it was a great time you asked me about uh working out yeah, walking. Walking. yeah. So you don't have to be an Olympic hero to get some exercise in. The reason why this is important because your body has two major systems. It has more, but these two major systems, the lymphatic system and the blood system. The blood system is going to pump on its own when you're sleeping, when you're sitting, when you're running, when you're walking. But the lymphatic system, on the other hand, is not going to pump on its own. It needs you to move for it to pump. So it's manual. You have to move. You have to move it. You have to make this thing pump. Now, why is this important? Because the lymphatic system is the waste management system. The lymphatic system is the trash system. If you want trash to get out of your body, you have to move around and you have to ignite the lymphatic system. And this is how you're going to get garbage out of your body, whether it's moving around to the point to where you feel like, okay, it's time to defecate. When you're moving around, when you're sweating, that's another form of eliminating uh, garbage from the body. All these different things are are just different ways for, you know, when, when you sweat, you have what you have water, you're losing water, but you also, it's like when you sweat, some people, <coughs> some people have like white, white on their face, looks like salt. You know, that, that's, that's part of toxins that's moving, that's coming out of the body. So just walking in and of itself, getting blood circulation, the life of anything is circulation. If you don't have enough uh, communication words in a relationship, the the relationship dies. If you don't have enough money circulating in the business, business dies. If you don't have enough blood circulating in the body, the body dies and parts start to get cut off. This is what walking and basic, simple exercise is going to do for you. Couldn't have said that better myself, man. I want to get you out of here. I know we could probably talk for another two hours or so, <laughs> but um, your book is Holistic Health Made Simple. It's available on Amazon and I would think all the other book outlets, Cochise to Rock Saw. Thank you for being on Perfectly Health and Tone Radio, man. It's been real. Likewise. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you.